God. That's what I hope today, that it changes the way you see God. If you're here, maybe that you're a long time in South Point, and you've been here for years and years, maybe you're visiting with family or friends, or maybe this is your first day at South Point, just checking it out. Whatever the situation, I pray that, that God would help you connect some dots today, and that in the end of this message, the end of this day, that you'd see God different. Because what I believe is if you see God different, if you think about God different, you'll live different. You know that? I, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, and when I met God in, in college, it changed the way that I saw God. It changed the way the preconceptions that I had. And because of it changed that, it changed the way that I live. You know the old saying, if you change the way you think, change the way you live. And, and in fact, getting ready for this message, I was thinking of times in my life when that's happened. And there's been many, of course, there's many in all of our lives. But this right here represents a big one for me. You know it's going to be a good message when this is the illustration. Uh, it's fresh. It's clean. Uh, I'm not going to eat pudding out of it or anything like that today. This is adult service. But this, you know, everybody knows what this is, right? Uh, I, until my son was born, I had never changed one of these. I wasn't, I'm not for sure if I ever touched one of these. I had no reason to. It wasn't my kid. I'm not changing some poopy diapers. All right? That was my thinking growing up. My, I, I, it's not my son. It's not my daughter. Whoever gave birth to that, whoever raised that, that was my thinking. Okay, that's the way that I thought. But can I tell you the the night about nine o'clock that night when my son was born and they took him over and they cleaned him up. This has been almost 19 years ago now. They cleaned him up. Still, I never changed the diapers. Jenny was over in the bed, kind of recovering. The nurses were talking to her. They're getting her a drink and all that. And they said, uh, you know, we're going to clean him up, put the little, this tiny little diaper on him, this little diaper, they put the diaper on him, and I got to hold him, and it wasn't, Jenny got to hold him for a minute, it wasn't 10 minutes, he had been in this world 10 minutes, and he thought, I think I'm going to take a poop, <laughs> blows my mind, and you know what else, when you don't change diapers growing up, you think, your thinking is, has some holes in it, let me just say that, because when he went to the bathroom in his diaper, they said, dad, mom's resting, would you like to change his diaper? And I thought, sure, my, the first diaper, it'll be my son's first diaper. This will be, I mean, I'm sure like the news will come in and play it. This will be amazing. And I won't go into detail, but can I tell you those first couple of diapers aren't like the rest of them for the rest of their lives. It's very unique at what happens those first couple of diapers. And uh, in a box and a half of wipes later, I had that first, <laughs> that first diaper changed. I had poop on me, on my clothes. I had to go change. And he was asleep, and mom was asleep, and I had one diaper down. But you know, the, the, the point of that was that I never had an interest in changing diapers. In fact, I had cousins and nieces and nephews and all that, that constantly, the, my sister or whoever it was, uncles, all that, was that, hey, hey they, they need their diaper changed. You want to change them? I go, nope. And just walk away. I wasn't, I wasn't mean or anything. It's just up until that time, I had no urge. Why would I change a diaper? But can I tell you that we almost fought to change diapers the first couple of weeks because it, the way that I thought about the person that needed their diaper changed completely changed the way that I lived my life. Does that make sense? Totally a non-spiritual story to drive home a spiritual point that when we change the way that we see God, we change the way that we understand Him like, oh, wait. There's some things that I didn't know at the beginning of this message. Maybe I know at the end of this message about the way God sees me in my life. 
it changes the way that I see him. And in return, changes the way that I live for him. Does that make sense? If it does, say, I got it. So, so today, I'm hoping that this Resurrection Sunday, this resurrection message, this is what this is all about, is the resurrection. If Jesus had not been resurrected, we wouldn't be here today. You know what? That's what we're here for. Let me read you the shortest, straight up couple of verses. Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. The Christians were getting made fun of. What's going on? And Peter just lays it out to the Jews of Israel. Listen to this. It's in Acts chapter 2. This is what he says. Real short, the whole story right here. People of Israel, listen. You nailed him to the cross and murdered him. This is a great opening line to a message anytime you're going to do that. Straight up. You murdered him. However, God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life again. For death could not keep him in its grip. I want you to understand today that we see grips, or see death so final. It's so final because that's all, all the picture we get. Except for what's in God's word about the power of God. You understand that? Like, except for God saying, hey, I defeated death. I came back from the dead. And what you need to know is you don't have to fear death. Amen? Like he, he died so we don't have to worry about those things. It takes some while to get used to that sometimes. Not being raised in a Christian home. And people start talking about death and resurrection and singing songs like Washed in the Blood. So that freaks me out. I'm like, I don't want any part of that cult stuff, you know. But then I understood what they meant. That changed my thinking. And then it changed the way that I sing those songs. It changed the way that I read that scripture. It changed the way that I prayed. It changed the way that I understood this relationship growing. So I hope today that as we go through this, this cornerstone, this, corner, this foundation, that it changes your life. I want you to understand, first and foremost, I want you to understand today that the resurrection is the foundation of our faith today. Can you say amen? amen. If you're a note taker, I know it's easier, but if you're a note taker, there's some notes in the bulletin. You can follow along with us in that orange bulletin. If not, just hang out and have a good time. I'm, I'm going to read you another scripture out of 1 Corinthians 15. This is the first letter Paul wrote, Paul went and planted this church in Corinth after living there for a couple of years, and this was the first letter after leaving that he wrote back to them to help them grow in their faith. So it's a good letter, First and Second Corinthians, to read to grow in your faith. This is what he said in verse 3. For what I received, that's he's saying what I understood, what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, and here's what's first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. He keeps saying that because in the Old Testament, they'd been talking about this for thousands of years. Different people in different countries that didn't know each other, they were all connecting the dots. And he goes on in verse 5, it says, And then he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. And here's the linchpin verse in verse 14. And if Christ had not been raised... Then all our preaching is useless, and your trust in God is useless. Look at your neighbor and say, this is getting better by the minute. Super encouraging today, right? What, what Paul is saying, though, is that, listen, this resurrection story that we're celebrating today, that we put on, uh, there's like 400 people on stage worshiping today. It was awesome. The place is full today. It's awesome. The reason all this is happening is not because he died on the cross, which is phenomenal. But the linchpin that puts it all together is that he did all of those things that he did and 
he raised from the dead to show me and you that he is in charge and that nothing else is. Amen. Isn't that good? Paul is saying that your faith would be completely useless were it not for this day. That's what we're celebrating today. If, if there was no resurrection, the preaching would be useless today. All this extra stuff that everybody's doing, useless, right? And you would have no hope, and the grave is the end of life. One last time, say, give me something positive. Do you, do you understand? That's the point, though. Now, he didn't finish the message right there. The point was to let us know. Listen, before Jesus came, that was our hope. Just get all you can get on this planet, and then the one that dies with the most toys wins, right? Got the t-shirt for that? But when Jesus came, he said, I want you to understand there's a lot more to living and dying. It's where you put your faith. It's what you actually think about this relationship with God, because that thinking will change the way that you live. It will change the way that you talk to your family, your coworkers, your boss, your spouse, your kids. It'll change everything in life. It'll even change the way you change diapers. I promise you, it will do that. So I want to show you a couple of things that, what if the resurrection is true? I believe it's true. I believe there's as much empirical evidence for the resurrection of Christ as there is for almost any historical uh, any historical event in history. If you study the resurrection of Christ, it, it'll blow your mind how much evidence there is. As Peter said, there were over 500 people that saw him. He, he was alive on this earth and taught for over a month, almost 40 days before he ascended back into heaven. He wanted to make sure people understood, I'm alive, I'm, a, I'm well, and I'm here for you. Let me show you a couple of things. If the resurrection is true, here's what, it, here's what it shows us. Number one is that nothing is impossible with God. Oh, come on. You do better than that. Everybody say amen. amen. Nothing's impossible with God. And, and multiple times when Jesus was talking to people about their faith, about things happening in their lives, they would say, it's impossible. What I need to happen in my life is impossible. What, what I need changed in my life is impossible. But listen to Jesus' response. This is what he said in Matthew 19. Jesus looked at them intently. He's getting serious on. You know if the Son of God like zeroes in on you? You know, like he's wanting to get a point to you. This is what he said. He looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. So in half the sentence he says, you're right. By human terms, you're right. But then he goes on to say, but with God, everything is possible. Amen? Did you know that today? Do you go through your day thinking that with God, anything is possible? Can I tell you today, can I encourage you before we finish this service and you leave here and go hunt Easter eggs or eat gravy and mashed potatoes or, yeah, come on now, chicken and all that. Before you go do all that, can I tell you that Monday when life hits, I pray that Matthew 19 rings in your ears that, hey, you know what? With me, it's not all possible, but with my relationship with God, all things are possible. Have hope, Scott, right? Have hope. Have hope. Be encouraged. With God, all things are possible. The resurrection will show us that there's nothing that the world can throw at you that God can't overcome, right? But let me just tell you, those that know me, you know that I immediately, you give me great hopeful scripture and I'll immediately put that sucker and start questioning it. Because that's the way I think. That's the way most of us think. And I go through situations in my life, and I go, yeah, but God, what about this? How, how come this happened? Anybody with me on that, or is it just me? Don't leave me hanging out here on an island. You ever thought that? Jesus, they're lying, aren't they? 
there's things in my life that, and I would ask, why? How come? What's going on? Well, I, I read through scripture that God can do anything. I see the resurrection and all things are possible. Then why won't he do all the things I want? Right? My gray matter just doesn't wrap their mind, its mind around that. But again, I'm telling you, kids can teach us. I, I believe it's designed by God for us to have family around us and especially the, the parent-kid situation because that teaches us the relationship between us and God. It's a little physical representation of what's going on spiritually. When, when Luke was about two, I get two good stories about him today, right? He pooped his diaper and now he's this story. I'm, when he's about two, um, I was at work and Jenny is home with, with Luke and Avery. Avery was just born. Luke's about two years old. Yes, they were that close. And, and Luke's just learning to say a few words. And she is, our, our kitchen was here. Then the right off the kitchen was the laundry room. And she was washing some laundry and had a little uh, clear glass of uh, clear glass of Clorox bleach, just a clear bleach sitting on the edge of the counter. And she was washing the, you know, getting spots out in the sink and that kind of stuff of the clothes and putting them in the other side and getting ready to move to the laundry. And she walked over to do, do something, and Luke, she just heard Luke out of the, the background say, Dee, Dee, you know, it's a little two-year-old trying to say, I want a drink. She says, Dee. And she's like, okay, in a minute. And she hears the glass move. We have tall children. It's a bummer sometimes. You know, they, he reached up on that counter and got that glass. Looking at it, it looked exactly like what he needed, right? It looked just like water. That he had had thousands of times before. And he grabbed that glass. And just as it entered his mouth, Jenny like ran over and screamed and grabbed it from him. But he got some, he got some in his mouth. It was horrible. He hated it. He's freaking out. You know, she's like drowning him in the sink, forcing water in him and all that. <laughs> you wanted a drink? No, like she's trying to save him. <laughs> Not the story she told me. She's trying to wash that out, calls me, should I take him to the hospital? And we're like, well, watch him. You know, he starts foaming at the mouth. Yes, if not, hold on a minute, it's expensive, you know. <laughs> well, it wasn't that way. But, but the, the point was, he was freaking out because he wanted to drink. And that looked exactly like what he wanted, right? And that's exactly the way it is with us sometimes. Something happens in our life, and we say, no. That's not what I want. This is what I want. I can see it. It looks exactly like what I want. God, will you give that to me? And when he swats your hand and says, no, you start freaking out. I start freaking out. I know you don't. But I start freaking out. I'm like, God, I know me. I know me better than anybody, right? I'm me. I know me better. You should provide that for me. But what God says, no, I know you way better than you know you. I know all the circumstances around you. I know how it's all going to knit together. I let the world play out, and if you'll trust me, I'll show you through that that nothing is impossible for me. Can I tell you that in light of this scripture, when they hung Jesus on the cross on Friday, everybody thought it was done. The disciples thought it was done. The people thought it was done. Before the resurrection, you couldn't get the disciples up to share their faith. You couldn't get them up to pray. But can I tell you that Monday after Sunday, after the resurrection, you couldn't shut the disciples up. Did you know that? They had a, a questioning, doubting minds that they were constantly questioning Jesus before the resurrection. But after the resurrection, can I, can I tell you that before the resurrection, they were asking for direction. 
after the resurrection, they were giving people direction. Acts chapter 2, we just read. Do you, do you understand? The resurrection changes everything. If you today, if you walk out of this place and you say, you know what? That's something I've never wrapped my right mind around. I don't understand how God, you can beat somebody completely to death, leave them in a cave for three days, and then God just says, okay, alive. And they come to life and go on about their business. I don't understand that. That's what's great about our relationship with God. You don't have to understand. You just have to put your faith and belief in him that he can do it. Amen? I don't understand why he won't give me a drink when I want it every time. But what I have learned is that through these things in Scripture and through some things, a few things in my life, I have learned to put my trust in God, and I believe more than ever that God can do anything. Amen? When he won't fix my situation, I start praying that he fixes my heart. When I'm mad, I pray that he gives me peace. When I'm sad, I pray that he comforts me. When I'm lost, I pray that he gives me direction. You understand that? And through 25 years now of that, this year, 25 years, I've learned that God can do anything in my life. Amen? But here's the real point. Here's the real point of the resurrection. I want to wrap up with this. The real reason for the resurrection is to show you that he loves you. Did you know that? Can I just be, tell you something that you may not have known about Easter yet? Easter was not for God. Did you know that? It wasn't for Jesus. There's a lot less painful ways to go about Easter. But the reason he did all of that, Scripture tells us over and over and over, no greater love does a person have. That verse we just saw at the last of the video. No greater love does a person have than to lay down their life for another. Him giving his life for you is the ultimate show of love. But then to be raised from the dead is the ultimate show of love and power. That he loves you. I, I want you to listen to this. When, when John, one of the disciples, when he saw visions from an angel, in the book, of, that's how we got the book of Revelation, God spoke to him and said, this is what I want you to write. And Jesus appeared to him and gave him understanding of what he was seeing, these things that he was seeing. And I, I want to read this to you. In Revelation 1.17, it says this. When I saw him, he's talking about Jesus. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. And then he put his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, but now look, I am alive forevermore. And here's one of the great lines that we need to understand today. And I hold the keys to death and hell. What, what he wants you to understand is every situation in our lives, whatever you walk through, I've got the key for it. You know, when, when he, from Friday to Sunday, when he was dead, he was on another mission. You know that? He was on another mission. He went to get some keys. Isn't that wild that he would use that analogy for us? And you know what keys do, right? Keys unlock things. And the two words that he used to describe what those keys unlocked were death and hell. In other words, when, when you worry about things taking life from you, don't worry about those things. I got the key for it, he says, right? Things that you worry that will bring death into your life, don't worry about that. I've got the key for that. I will walk you through that. I will grow you through I will help you through that. And things that are hell in your life, I'm, I have the key to unlock the potential of life in you. Don't worry about those things. I have the key to death and hell. Death. With this key, I'll bring life. What, what 
Satan means for evil, brings death in your life. I'll, I'll bring life in you. Amen? And the things that are hell in your life, the things that are hard in your life, the things that are difficult, that destroy us, lean on me. Remember, I can do anything. All things are possible with God. And I did those things to show you that I love you. It's like getting that key that I can unlock potential in your life. I unlock a relationship in, our, in your life. I want you to understand the resurrection of Jesus Christ shows us that all things are possible. But more than anything, it shows us that he loves us. He went and got those keys so that you and I would not just say, man, I, I can make it through this life, I'll die, and then maybe I can go to heaven. But that in this life, you can live for him to the fullest. You don't just live existing. Everybody, know that's, everybody knows that stinks, right? Just existing. But to live to the fullest, that's what it's about. Look at this scripture in Romans 8. I'm going to give it to you in two verses, because two different translations, because I want you to understand it this morning. Romans 8 says this. Paul, is, Paul wrote this letter. We just went through a, an entire month of this series, the book of Romans, last month at South Point. But he wrote this letter to the church in Rome to teach them some fundamental things. And this is what he says. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give, give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. That's good news. But sometimes it needs a little expounding. It needs a little unpackaging. So listen to it in the message version. The message that I just read it in the NIV. The NIV is a word-for-word translation. The message is a thought-for-thought translation. It's a paraphrase. So they're wanting you to get the thought more than the exact translation of the word. So listen to what it says in the message. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. Everybody say amen. Isn't that good? What what he's saying is while you're here, when Jesus moves in, his spirit moves into you, it changes the way you think about this world. It changes the way you think about God. He brings life to your existence. Let's keep reading. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With the spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ. Amen? That's what it's about. The analogy, every situation that Jesus went through was a direct correlation of our relationship with God. Everything was to show us he's in charge, he wants you as his child, and he wants to provide those same things for you. Resurrection Sunday is not just about Jesus. It's about you. It's about us. Amen? It's about us to show us how much he loves us. On the Thursday before Good Friday, so four days ago, 2,000 years ago, Thursday night they were at the Passover. That's when they did communion together, what we call communion today, when they broke the bread and drank the wine. At that Passover, at that dinner, at that last night before they went to the garden for Jesus to pray and they arrested him and began the trials that the next day would lead to him being crucified, this is what he says to them. In John 14, 19, it says this. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. That's a promise to us. 
That's what the resurrection is about. The reason I did that was to put an exclamation point on, I'm not just dying for you, but I'm going to come back to life to show you because I live, you can live. Not just existing, but you can live with purpose and hope and understanding and insight. And you can, you can have expectancy of life. And when it throws, the world throws death and hell your way, you just go, okay, okay, I can handle this because I am in relationship with the one who's got the key to both of those. Amen? And he's already shown me through time and through scripture and through events that he can handle it. That he's the one that overcomes. I want to read you one last verse. It's one of my favorite verses. I paraphrase this all the time. It's out of Revelation also. It's about our response to all of this. Think about the message today. Think about how God is changing your thinking about how you understand Him. During the message today, has He said, hey, that verse is for you? Has He said the diaper story is for us? Has He connected some dots What's going on in your life and his power? At the, at the end of chapter 3 of Revelation, after Jesus telling John all of these incredible things, I would like to think it's a little bit like us talking about the word of God today and the resurrection and his power and his love today. After all of that, here's what Jesus says. Here's the analogy he gives for how we should respond. Bunch of great news. Resurrection Sunday. It's to show you that all things are possible with God. It's to show you how much He cares for you and loves you. How do we respond? Here's what Jesus says. Revelation 3.20. He said, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. That's what He said. That's the analogy of Jesus standing there knocking with the knowledge that you have about how much he cares for you. The knowledge that you have about he wants to be in a relationship with you. And he uses an old Jewish analogy there of knocking at the door. And if you'll let me in, that's the sign that we're more than acquaintances. Here, I'll, I'll give you something. You need to go on your way. I'll give you some gas money. I'll give you some you know, food, whatever you need. Go on about your way. But if you open the door, Jesus said, I'll come in and we'll have a meal together, which signifies that we're more than acquaintances shows that we're friends. You understand that? What he's waiting on as he's knocking is for us to open the door. Say, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't just want to be an acquaintance. I just don't want to know where you live. I just don't want to know you, but I want to really know you. I want to be in a relationship. I want us to be friends. I would just bet, no matter what your faith background is in this room, I would bet one hundred percent of everybody in here if jesus showed up and he goes how many would like to be my friend that a hundred percent in this room say i want to be friends with jesus if, if he gave his life for me i want to be friends with somebody that loves me so much he gave their life for me if he's raised from the dead i want to be friends with somebody that anything is possible so when i go through death and hell in my life he's got the key He's got the understanding. He's got the insight. He's got the wisdom. He's got the strength. He's got the comfort. He's got the patience. He's got the peace. 
all of those keys that you need throughout your life, Jesus has them. And he stands at the door and knocks. He says, if you'll open it, we'll change the, the signature from, from acquaintance to friends. We'll change how we see each other from just shake hands, how you doing, to I hey, want you to come over and hang out with me. Why don't you lead me in my life? Teach me how to live for you. Show me this relationship and what it's all about. The title of the message today, I don't know if you noticed that in the, in the notes or not, but the title of the message is What a Difference a Day Makes. Every time I think about this weekend and what all happened, Friday, Jesus was crucified. That's why we call it Good Friday, not because of the horrendous things he suffered, but because of what it meant for anybody that puts their faith in his life and his sacrifice. It's good for us. It's good news that we were set free, that we don't have to live without hope. That there is purpose beyond the grave, and there is more to this life than existing. Amen? That's what he came for. That's what resurrection and Easter is all about. I can hunt eggs with the best of them. I'll steal from four-year-olds. Don't bother me at all. They have all that. I just want a couple of pieces of chocolate, okay? That's all I want. But can I tell you that Easter is much more than the bunnies? Much more than all the stuff we make. I love all of that stuff. I love stuff at Christmas. I love all of that. What I really get excited about is somebody that I never met giving their life for me. Somebody that I, by faith, I took one step and I opened the door and Jesus came in and changed the way I thought about everything in my life. And because of that, he changed my life. That's what I'd like to pray about this morning. Would you, would you close your eyes and let me pray for you? And I'm going to pray a simple Easter prayer today. A prayer for Maybe somebody in this room that doesn't know Jesus, that today you would answer the door. Would you hear Jesus knock? That you would open the heart of your door of your life. Jesus said he would come in, that you would be friends. I'm not going to call you out or ask you to come down or anything like that. But if you say, Scott, when you pray, would you include me in that prayer? I'm making that decision today. I'm making the decision to open my life and let Jesus come in and begin to show me about this relationship. If that's you today, will you just let me know by just giving me a little hand wave. It just lets me know, hey, when you're praying, pray for me. That's what it means. Let me see those that are making that decision today. Awesome. Awesome. You can put your hand right back down. Super proud of you. Anyone else? That's what we're here for today, to celebrate and to give you an opportunity to know this king that we're celebrating, to know this Savior. His friend. Anyone else before I pray? Awesome. Lord, we're so thankful for you. We're so hopeful. As we read this, these passages, these, these scriptures, it, it just encourages from the, from the innermost parts of our lives. Encourages from our soul. And Lord, I pray for these that raised their hand this morning that after hearing these incredible scriptures, after hearing this incredible good news that you can do anything and that it was to show us how much you love us. There are some in this room, Lord, that are making that decision today to open their lives and to allow you to come in. And I pray that you would do exactly what your word says. When we respond to you, when we say yes, when we open that door, that you'd come in, that you would forgive us of our past and our sins, that you'd give us a, a fresh start, a fresh, a fresh load of hope and of courage and of strength and of peace, and of love in our life. Lord, I pray for them today, that you would help them from this day forward to just 
learn to trust him. That throughout their lives that you would show them how much you care for them, what you've provided for them, that you would help your word become alive to them. But more than anything, God, more than anything, I pray that you'd be their friends today. Be their friends. Change the way they think and change their lives. We love you, Jesus, because you first loved us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. 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 We're going to close out the end of our service like something new that we've been doing. In our, uh, during this song, a couple of our staff and prayer teams are going to come up to the front. And if you need prayer for something during this last song, I want to encourage you. Step out. Come up and just let somebody that maybe you don't even know, just let them agree with you in prayer. We're going to believe the God that can do anything to answer prayer today. Amen? Amen.